Welcome to the ABR podcast, where some of Australian book reviews contributors discuss major issues or read their reviews and creative writing. My name's Georgina Arnott and I'm assistant editor at ABR. If you enjoy these podcasts, think about subscribing to the magazine. Those 25 and under can do so for as little as $25 for the online version or $60 for print plus online. Greetings, podcast listeners. My name is Christopher Menz, and I lead the ABR Cultural Tours, which we present in association with Academy Travel. In October 2023, we will lead a 12-day tour of Vienna. This will take in the spectacular collections of the Habsburgs, the musical heritage of Haydn, Mozart and Beethoven, and the striking modernist architecture of the city. Vienna, where we will be based throughout the tour, is an ideal city for an extended stay, and the program has been designed to make the most of its many attractions. Several musical performances will feature in the program. Full details are available from the Academy Travel website. What does the word bogan say about Australian culture and society and their changing nature? In this week's ABR podcast, Amanda Laugerson, Chief Editor of the Australian National Dictionary and Director of the AND Centre at ANU, explores this question, observing that bogan has for some time dominated discussion around social status in Australia. The word and its derivatives, such as boganity, were first included in a and in 2016. So here is Amanda Laugerson reading On Boganism, which appears in the November issue of ABR. In the introduction to their excellent collection of essays, Class in Australia, 2022, Jessica Gerard and Stephen Threadgold note the eclipsing of the word class in our public discourse. Other descriptive markers are more commonly used, words such as disadvantage by scholars and bogan in popular culture. In my own work on the Australian English lexicon, I have been intrigued by the contemporary language of class. The words we choose to use when talking about class can tell us much about changing popular perceptions. One word that continues to dominate our language of social status is bogan. We first recorded Bogan in the 2016 edition of the Australian National Dictionary, Australian Words and Their Origins, known as A&D. As well as a few derivatives and compounds such as Boganhood, Boganism, Boganity and Bogan Chick. But our 2016 entry is currently being substantially revised. From Bogan Briefcase, Cask Wine, to Boganese, the language of Bogans, the evidence suggests that Bogan is far more productive than our previous entry suggested and we are currently considering around 30 new Bogan-related entries. Bruce Moore, editor of the 2016 edition of A&D, has argued that Bogan is the most significant word to be created in Australian English in the past 40 years. It is hard to refute this. Its importance in expressing aspects of Australianness and shaping notions of identity, especially class identity, is indisputable. Bogan emerges in Australian English in the early 1980s, generally referring to someone who is similar to a Sydney Westie. They stereotypically wear flannel shirts, sport a mullet hairdo or maybe a rat tail, and put a cigarette behind their ear. We have traced Bogan back to 1983, 
at the first evidence we have located appearing in a West Australian school magazine. Not long after the word emerges, a slightly different sense can also be identified. Bogan as synonymous with loser or dag. By the 1990s, use of the word had exploded and it had come to gather new meanings. Now a bogan could be someone who was considered to be uneducated, unsophisticated or uncouth in some way. Also, a particular trait could be seen as bogan. The website Things Bogans Like suggests numerous things that can be identified as such, such as Kentucky tours, watching a current affair and Pandora bracelets among them. Much of this imagining of what it is to be a bogan is to do with taste and education rather than one's income or occupation. Bogan was, and is therefore, a hard word to define. It is not synonymous with working class, even though it carries class overtones. Importantly, it is also invested with racial overtones. The Bogan is nearly always an Anglo-Australian and is often perceived to be, if not racist, anti-immigrant. Recent migrants, even if in working-class occupations, would not be called bogans. It isn't, however, a strongly gendered word. Unlike other archetypal Australian figures such as the larrikin, the bogan is not necessarily a male. There is also an element of performance to boganness. It can be something you choose to express as you unleash your inner bogan. Some have argued that bogan is a slur, expressing contempt for those who identify with white working-class culture. Certainly, there are many ways in which bogan is used in a derogatory way. At the same time, the evidence of usage and its relationship to ideas of performance and Australianness suggests that it is also a badge worn proudly and can be used ironically. The very slipperiness of bogan as a concept means that it is difficult to talk about class in simple ways when we talk about bogan. Bogan might be embraced as an identity, but it is one that gathers strength from mocking pretensions and high culture, not from challenging the structural inequalities of Australian society. Bogan and its derivatives probably peaks in the period from the mid-2000s to the mid-2010s. It is possible we are seeing something of a slow decline in its productivity and usage, although it is perhaps premature to identify any definite downward trend. Arguably, however, the last decade of coalition government has seen some interesting shifts in the politics and language around class. John Howard's government, 1996 to 2007, was responsible for the elevation of the battler to semi-mythic status. The late 1990s saw significantly increased use of the word in our media. The aspirational working classes, the little Aussie battlers, were central to the political language of the Howard years. Under the coalition governments of Tony Abbott, Malcolm Turnbull, and most especially Scott Morrison, Battler has continued to be used, but we have also seen the increasing focus on the small business owner, the tradie, and the high-vis wearer. Here, the quiet Australians can be middle or working class and are as likely to own a business as work in one. Arguably, like Bogan, Battler has become unmoored from any clear class identity. The use of high-vis in our political and cultural discourse is a more recent development. Wearing high-vis safety gear became common in the 2000s. From around 2010, politicians were getting in on the act. This tendency of politicians to be seen wearing high-vis and to ally themselves with those who work in the high-vis industries, including mining, led to the development of a figurative sense of high-vis by the end of the 2010s. Much of this figurative usage is connected to politics, and in particular the politics of the Morrison government.
It is also during the Morrison years that we see the clear entrenching of a language describing those considered to be inner city elites. These are often derogatory terms used to mock those who hold progressive or leftist political views and are an evolution of earlier terms such as Chardonnay or Champagne Socialist. Terms such as Latte Belt, Latte Line, Latte Set and Latte Sipper emerged in the late 1990s and early 2000s. They aren't always expressly political. Sometimes they are used to refer to a particular area that is considered to be affluent and those that live there. These are usually suburbs in Sydney and Melbourne, and the implication is that the people who live there spend their time frequenting trendy cafes and drinking lattes. Variations such as goat's cheese curtain and quinoa curtain are recorded a decade later. Through the 2010s and into the 2020s, they become part of our language. While sometimes descriptive, in the sense of just referring to an affluent or trendy area, these terms are increasingly used to stereotype those who live in inner city areas and their alleged political views. Notably, in this discourse, the person who lives behind the curtain or is part of the set is regarded as likely to vote for the Greens. The election of a new Labour government might well see our language around class shift again in potentially fascinating, perhaps even unpredictable ways. Paying closer attention to the kind of language we use around class may allow us to reflect on what these words, some of them immensely powerful in the Australian imagination and identity, can obscure. In doing so, we may be able to better talk about the inequalities that continue to shape the lives of many Australians. Thanks for listening to the Australian Book Review Podcast. Join us again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, why not consider subscribing to ABR? Subscriptions start from just $10 a month for full digital access. Visit our website for more information. We'd like to thank Stacey Chan, who edits the podcast, as well as our contributors who take the time to read their articles and creative writing. And if you enjoy listening to the ABR podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes.